This week, we continue our series on who Jesus is and what Jesus means to us as followers of Christ. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at the fact of Jesus being the living water, of how Jesus is with us in our pain, of how Jesus is the good shepherd. And if you want to listen to those, I invite you to go back and check those out. But this week, we are going to look at how Jesus is... That's right, we're going to look at how Jesus is the stone dropper. And in order to look at that, we're going to look at John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. And in those verses, we hear this. It says, Early in the morning he came to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down began to teach them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. But what say you? And they said this to test him, so that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the sand. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and he wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus straightened up. He said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go sin no more. And so what we hear in our text this morning is this idea of Jesus there teaching the Pharisees. And it says they brought this woman to him that had been caught in the act of adultery. So that means literally she had been brought to him naked in the middle of town exposed for all to see, where all of her sins and every bit of her was exposed. And But what they say to her is, hey, we caught her in this act, and we know what the law says, but what do you say? And it says literally, the question was a trap. It's meant to trip Jesus up. It's meant to have Jesus caught and to, so that they can have something to persecute him for. But I want you to, for a minute, take a moment and think about this woman. She's been caught doing something that she's probably not very proud of. She's been caught in the lowest moment of her life, and I'm sure she's embarrassed. Have you ever been caught doing something that you knew you shouldn't have been doing? You're embarrassed. Have you ever wished that you could go back in time and, and change what was going on? Here this woman is at her lowest moment of life, and Jesus meets her there, and Jesus finds himself torn. You see, what he's starting to realize, or, or what he po points out to her, 
is that your highest calling is not defined by your lowest moment. And so what he's going to show to her through all of this is that this moment does not define her. Nor does when you start thinking of your low moments or maybe you're living in your lowest moment, it does not define you. It does not define your calling. Because what we see as Jesus is engaging with her is he has a choice to make between grace and judgment. And what we see throughout the text is that Jesus extends grace unto this woman. That while, yes, she is in a low moment, while, yes, she is done wrong, she is extended grace. And so what we start to see is that there are three S's that Jesus uh, points out to us, that this text points out to us. And the first is this word of surround. The woman is literally put in the middle of a group, surrounded by a group of people who she who do not know who she is. And the, these men make, the, make basically an object lesson of this woman's life and of her sin. She's in the lowest point of her life, and they're using it as an example. Which raises the question, first off, who do you surround yourself with? And those people that you surround yourself with, are they like Jesus in speaking life into your world? Or are they like the crowd in seeking death and harm for you in the moment that you fall short? Are they the people that will pick you up? Or are they the people that are willing to throw you under the bus? But the reality also about this idea of surround is, have you ever seen someone at their lowest moment? And many times, sadly, in our world, we find out when we see those people, we think to ourselves, I'm so glad that I would never do that. I'm so glad. I'm, I'm glad that's not my situation. And a lot of times when we think about this idea of surround, we think about who we surround ourselves with. But how often do we look at this story and think, man, I'm a lot like the Pharisees. But we want to say we're like the woman, but how often are we like the Pharisees? You see, so often when we read the scriptures, we can't make ourselves the woman or we want to make ourselves the woman, rather, because then we find ourselves being the victim, and the others are the ones that are in the wrong. That, that They are the ones that need to be persecuted. But we must also own our own mistakes and realize how often we are willing to judge someone else, even though we know that we have our own issues. And when you judge someone else, you're not, you're not defining who they are, but you are defining who you are. We do this because we're afraid to look at who we are. We're afraid to see at the core of us our brokenness and our pain, our fear, and we're afraid to be vulnerable. We hurt others because we don't want to deal with our own hurt. We point out the sin of others so we don't have to address our own sin. It, it, we look at the scripture and we know that it says, judge not lest ye be judged, but we live out... I better judge before they judge me. And we must surround ourselves with people who fill our lives with love and grace. And we must be willing to extend that same love and grace. We must be willing to drop the stone that we so cling to of judgment. And the second S that we hear is the S of stand. When we hear about Jesus, he has come, he's seated, and he's ready to teach and as they come, seeking what to do, saying, Jesus, what would you have us to do? It says they 
dropped down and he wrote with his finger on the ground, which is very weird to me. But then as they continue to question, he stands up. And when Jesus stands up, he's not just standing up to address the crowd, but Jesus is standing up for the woman in her lowest moment when she can't defend herself. And this is that reminder that we as Christians, we are called to stand for those who cannot stand for themselves. We're called to stand in the gap for those that are being beaten and persecuted by life and by those around them. We're called to stand up for one another. We're called not to judge, but extend that grace and love and stand with one another. Which leads us to our third S, which is sin. Jesus sends her off, and so, but he doesn't just send her off in the same way, go and go off and do what you've been doing, but he says, go forth and sin no more. Jesus sends us and sends her into the future, saying, go, sin no more. Saying, don't, don't, worry, don't look into your past, but no, go into your future. Don't allow your past, don't keep holding on to that past and allowing it to define you because I have a better future in mind for you. God is not labeling us by our past, but he sends us into our future. In the movie Moneyball, there's a clip where they're talking about a man named Jeremy Brown. And you'll see the clip here, but what happens is the man has been used so frequently to advance runners or to move people over. And he very rarely, if ever, rounds first base. And then he gets to this clip from Moneyball. Come with me to the video. Room. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. No, man. I'm not. That's on Come on. Come on. Seriously. Seriously. Come on, Billy. Come on, Billy. Come on. The Visalia Oaks, Oaks, now, Oaks, now 240 pound catcher, catcher Jeremy Brown, Brown who, as you know, who, as you know, scared to run, scared the, second run the second base. This was in the game, six, in the game weeks six weeks ago. This guy's going to start him off with the, fast the fastball. Jeremy's going to take, take him to the deep, deep center. Here's what's really, Here's what's really interesting. Because, because Jeremy's going Jeremy's to do, do what he never does. He's going to go for it. He's going to go for it. He's going to round first and he's going to go for it. Okay? Okay? This is this is all of Jeremy's, all of Jeremy's nightmares, nightmares coming, to coming to life. Oh, they're laughing! They're laughing at him. Jeremy's about Jeremy's to find, about out, to find why. out why. Jeremy's about Jeremy's to about to realize that the ball went the 60, ball went 60 feet, feet, over, feet the over the fence. He hit a home. He run. hit a home run. And didn't even realize didn't even realize it. it. You see, Jeremy Brown had a fear of rounding first base. A fear that was maybe merited or unmerited, but the reality is, is now as we see the story of Jerry Brown, and he falls flat on his face rounding first base, and he finds himself in a, in a low moment in his life. And he had the choice. Will this opera will this moment define him? I mean, I'm sure we've all had these moments where we have fallen on our faces, where we find ourselves in low moments doing things that we're not proud of or things that we regret. And the reality is, is this question: 
Will we let those moments define us? That we all have these moments in our past when we are rounding first and we fall flat on our face. But Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, get up, go forth, sin no more. And the reason that he's saying this is because Jesus wants us to realize what we are capable of. That this falling does not define us, but what defines us is the fact that, see, Jeremy was so defined by his falling down that he didn't even realize that, the, that he had the ability to go around the bases because the home run, the victory, had already been claimed. And that's what Jesus is saying, is the victory has already been claimed. We have, uh, the home run has been hit. Let us not be defined by our lowest moments, but let us go forth sinning no more. Let us go forth remembering that the best of all is God is with us. Amen. Amen.